Power and Paradox by the Kinky Pet, Chapter 34. Notes. Chapter short but speedy. All gratitude and praise to the magical that which yields. Chapter dedicated to Aurora Sin. I things get better for you soon, love. The mini-spectrometer was still safely stored in the Quinjet, so the Avengers and Bonus War Machine were ready to go in the time it took to change into their gear. Wasn't sure the armored fit after all those potatoes, Rhodey joked, but his voice was tight and nobody laughed. Mrs. Rhodes and Pepper accompanied them to the launch pad. Don't you dare pull that stunt again, Pepper told firmly, using her best commanding CEO voice. Deal, he promised, offering to shake on it, but Pep threw her arms around the armor for a clattering hug. Wow, she said with a rueful smile. Being here to see you off actually kind of sucks. Pep stood aside as Mrs. Rhodes approached. Mrs. Rhodes reached up to touch Tony's cheek through the faceplate and said seriously, You look after James out there, you hear? Tony nodded solemnly. Cross my heart. He stepped on board. Final sweep. Do we have everything? Steve asked the team as he strode onto the Quinjet. On the other side of the launch pad, Mrs. Rhodes was giving Rhodey a hug and touching his cheek. Tony couldn't hear her over the wind, but didn't need to hear to know what she was saying. You look after Tony out there, you hear? Where are we headed, Cap? Natasha asked, stepping into the cockpit. New Jersey, Steve answered. Coordinates are at the comm. Only an alien invasion could get me to New Jersey, Tony joked. Snob, Clint scolded from the pilot's seat. Good luck, Pepper called. Tony waved as the hatch closed and Rhodey darted on board. Rhodey's phone chirped and he laughed. Lousy fucking timing, he said, shaking his head and showing Tony his phone. Miranda, Jen's finally asleep. Does your offer to fly over still stand? Tony winced and patted Rhodey on the shoulder. How's the suit? Tony asked Natasha. Good. She rolled her shoulders and nodded. I was planning to tweak those seams a little for you, Tony said, half apology, and I had a new double plating in the works. Tony, she said firmly. It's good. Well, that's all fine for Nat. You gave me sleeves, Clint bitched without venom. I told you, bare arms. And I told you, my ultralight polyaramid won't get in the way of your legless impersonation, so calm down. Come on, team, Steve said sternly. Stay focused. We're plenty focused. Tony shrugged, trying to hold that sick sinking feeling at bay. We fly in, deploy one of my handy-dandy devices, and fly out. We'll be back in time for Star Trek and a third round of pie. Easy breezy, beautiful cover girl. Steve frowned. He pulled something or other up on his tablet and sat down abruptly. Feeling like a naughty child, Tony went to join Bruce at the computer bay. Okay, Tony said. Let's go ahead and review the hypotheticals from last time, just in case. The rest of the ride to New Jersey was tense, but mercifully short. The energy field... Tony was too pissed to think of it as Bob, was glowing with a bluish light about ten feet off the ground in a clearing of Wharton Forest. It was bigger than its first appearance, and smaller than the last. Tony was grateful they were miles from the nearest town. There were already a few shield agents on the ground wearing heavy SWAT gear. Tony was pretty sure that it would slow them down more than it would protect them, but he wasn't the one in charge of that sort of thing. And yeah, okay, they totally needed his new polyaramid too. As soon as the Quinjet touched down, everyone sprang into action, moving the mini-spectrometer into place. Status report? Cap called the ranking shield officer as they emerged. The anomaly arrived at exactly 2100 hours, sir. Tony tuned out the rest of their conversation as he and Bruce watched the readings start to come in. He hooked an extra monitor up to the spectrometer so he could have an extra visual interface with Jarvis. Jarvis, for a comparison of the data points, first sign of a blip away from the last readings, I want to know. If we get one, start running the hypotheticals ASAP. Of course, sir. Tony looked up the blue energy field, trying not to picture spindly arachnoid limbs in the vast expanse of space beyond a glowing gray ship. Tony shuddered and refocused on the spectrometer readings. Tony blurted out, shit, at the same moment Jarvis said, sir, the readings have varied. Bruce, do you see this? Bruce squinted at the screen through his reading glasses, shaking his head. The photons. Yeah, Tony scowled. It's like this thing's not even breaking the wave-particle duality anymore. And the electromagnetic radiation has actually decreased. 
Bruce added, bringing up the old data points at the second console. Fuck. Tony started typing frantically. Why would he be doing this? His eyes darted across the new readouts, mind racing. Tony was so absorbed in the data, he jumped when Cap approached and asked for a report. A little busy here, Cap, Tony said, typing furiously. Basically, Bruce answered. The photons are normalized with a reduced electromagnetic radiation, so the arc reactor diffusion and gamma radiation are no longer breaking the wave-particle duality. Uh, he means, Tony cut in, still typing, the readings have changed enough that if that thing starts spewing aliens, my device won't be able to close the portal until I do a lot of recalculating. Understood, Steve said briskly. I'm calling for reinforcements. Roger, Rogers, Tony said, refocusing on his mental calculations. He was distantly aware of Steve's voice issuing brisk orders, agent moving around them in the eerie glow above, but he tried to shove it all away. Focus. Numbers flowed across the screen and Tony lost track of time. Tony distantly registered Rody and Cap talking. G equals H over P. What's the delay, Cap? Should have had reinforcements by now. But wait. Wait. X minus minus P. Agreed. Maybe hypothetical 66? It had supposed the lowest radiation ratios. I've got an update, Jim. The power's out. The entire grid is down. They think it's some sort of accident on the power lines. The generator kicked in at the shield base, but the local staging ground doesn't have one. The gamma level's spiking, Bruce said. I see it, Tony snapped. Fuck. There was a sudden blinding light, then everything went dark. For a hideous, disorienting second, Tony thought he'd blacked out, but he could still hear Steve and Bruce and soon his eyes were readjusting. As he recovered from the unpleasant flash blindness, he found the glowing force field gone. Tony wasn't sure if he felt relieved or disappointed. On the one hand, it looked like they were nine minutes shy of a full reading, but on the other hand, they weren't battling aliens and probably wouldn't be for at least a little while, so that part was good. Okay, Bruce, Tony said. Let's get to work on these hypotheticals, shall we? Tony stayed in his lab for three days straight. Mrs. Rhodes had brought down plates of leftover Thanksgiving dinner and stayed to make sure he ate them. Pepper brought him coffee, but didn't try to draw his attention away from work with small talk. In fact, he might have missed her presence entirely and drunk the coffee on autopilot except for the occasional hook. Bruce worked with him in his lab on and off. Eventually, Pepper had to go back to Malibu, Mrs. Rhodes to Boston, and Rhodey to his previous, undisclosed, post. Tony said goodbye to them all in the lab. Bright and early on day four, after creating 79 altered hypotheticals, Tony ran out of coffee. Unacceptable. Also, he was vaguely aware that he probably hadn't eaten since Mrs. Rhodes left. In fact, nobody had brought him coffee since Pepper, and that was a day ago. Where was Steve? As Tony shuffled into the shared kitchen, he was surprised to see Steve wearing his full Captain America gear, bent over the dining room table. It was covered with files, papers, a tablet, and his laptop. Tony blinked. Steve was scowling down at something, left hand clutching a steaming mug. Hey, Cap, Tony said. Steve's head snapped over to look at him. His expression was tight, and something about it made Tony nervous. Tony, Steve said with a nod. He turned back to his papers. Huh. There was already coffee in the coffee pot. Tony poured himself a mug and opened the refrigerator to find it rather bare. Unsurprisingly, the team had demolished their Thanksgiving provisions. To his left, Steve set down his coffee and grabbed a pencil, scribbling away. Steve liked to do paperwork at the dinner table. After all, they seldom used it for formal dining, and he liked that his teammates would drop by and chat. So that was nothing out of the ordinary, but he didn't usually change into his uniform to do it. Tony took another sip of coffee and came a little closer. There was dirt on Steve's boots and dirt on the left knee of his uniform. Steve would never put on a dirty uniform, which meant he'd never taken it off. And Steve's hair wasn't fluffing up at the back the way it usually did. Actually, it looked kind of greasy. Tony frowned and inched forward to peer at Steve's papers. The reports on the Battle of October 1st. Notes on the qualities and characteristics of the aliens. The best strategies to fight them. The most effective unit formations. Weapons. Gear. Hey, Steve? Tony asked, voice quiet and tentative. How long have you been at this? Steve didn't answer, just scribbled something down on a large piece of graph paper. Tony swallowed. 
because it kind of looks like you've been right here for four days, not even changing out of the uniform. Still, no answer. And okay, the irony of this wasn't lost on Tony, but he couldn't help saying, Don't you think you should get some sleep? That got his attention. Steve snapped, I slept for 70 years, don't you think that's enough? Tony blinked. He'd never heard that tone from Steve before. He was still trying to figure out how to answer when Steve added bitterly, and apparently I've been asleep at my post for weeks. Steve shook his head. I should have been preparing. He glared at Tony. And you're one to talk. Don't tell me you've been getting a decent night's sleep since that thing came back. Fair point. Tony just shrugged and Steve snorted. Hey, at least I got some sleep. I should have been preparing for this, Steve insisted. Nobody expected the force field to come back, Tony said. Steve let out a mirthless laugh. Oh, really? I suppose that's why you made a dozen of portal devices and upgraded everyone's armor. He shook his head. You expected it. And okay, Tony can't argue with that, either. I just sat around while you did all the work. Steve bit out. He was nearly vibrating with nervous energy. I'm supposed to be the leader, and if it hadn't been the force field, I should have been expecting something. What's the point of a first response team if their leader isn't even ready? Don't be so hard on yourself, Tony said. You've had a lot to adjust to. That's hard work. It's not just something you can... Steve's fist clenched. He snapped the pencil in half. Don't make excuses for me. For fuck's sake, you're only human, Tony snapped back. Or do you actually think you're some sort of resurrected demigod who can bear the world on his shoulders? Because that's pretty fucking arrogant if you do. Tony waved his hands and narrowly avoided throwing his coffee. He dabbed a finger at Steve, coming closer. Steve took a step back. And okay, fine, Tony cried. Maybe you should have gone back to battle reports and training models right after rounding up the last stray aliens. Maybe there is more you could have done, even while two of your teammates were still in physical therapy and the others were generating tech. Fine, but I seriously doubt beating yourself up is making you a more effective worker, and if you've got 80 hours without sleep, it looks to me more like some fucked up kind of Catholic penance than actually getting shit done. Tony wasn't entirely sure how he'd expected Steve to respond to his outburst, but he hadn't expected him to deflate and sink heavily into a dining room chair. Steve turned away and stared blankly ahead for a moment, then said softly, I just... I keep seeing those aliens pouring out of the portal, and all those people who... He closed his eyes. Shit. I know, buddy. Tony said softly, resting a hand on Steve's shoulder. I know. Steve twitched. For a second, Tony thought Steve was going to reach up and hug him, or press his face to Tony's stomach, but the moment passed. Have you eaten today? Tony asked, voice still soft. Steve hesitated. Maybe the serum, I... I don't know. Here's what we're going to do, Tony said. I'm going to order us a gigantic pizza. While we wait for it, you're going to have a shower and change, because frankly, you stink, and then you can join me in the workshop for food. Then if you think you can sleep, you should go sleep. If not, and trust me, I do understand, then we can work together in the shop. Okay? Okay. Steve answered softly, eyes downcast. Tony squeezed his shoulder. Steve reached out to grab Tony's hand and looked up at him with wide blue eyes. Thank you, Tony. Tony nodded and stepped away. See you soon. Huh. Apparently, I've turned into Pepper. Hey, Tony, I think I... Shh. Tony leapt out of his chair and raised his left index finger to his lips while waving frantically with his right hand. Bruce looked at him like he'd gone insane. Tony gestured to his lab couch. There, surrounded by papers and files, Steve was slumped against the armrest, sound asleep. There was a plate at his feet speckled with a few lingering pizza crumbs. His laptop had been folded up and set aside to his left. Bruce blinked and looked back and forth between Steve and Tony a few times. 
And okay, so Demet wanted to cover Steve with Tony's lab blanket, and Tony didn't want the bot to wake the guy up, so maybe, maybe Tony had covered Steve up himself. There was no reason for Bruce to be making that weird face, and besides, Bruce didn't even know that. Bruce came close to whisper. Is he okay? Yeah, he's just overworked, Tony answered quietly. Worried we aren't prepared for another attack, and he's had trouble sleeping. So you invited him to your workshop, Bruce said in a measured voice. It's not like I'm unfamiliar with that problem, Tony shrugged. I thought if you had a friendly face and a comfy couch, you might not often really tried to work. I've done it myself often enough. Right, Bruce said. He glanced back over to Steve. Makes sense. So, have you found anything? Tony asked, eager to shift Bruce's attention. It took a few moments for Bruce to return his gaze to Tony, shaking his head a little. Maybe, he said, pushing his reading glasses up his nose. I had an idea for a variation on Hypothetical 72. Okay, Tony said, grabbing his coffee and calling up the hypos. Why don't you walk me through it? Quietly. A vast black expanse, dotted with stars. Why couldn't you be a good boy, Tony? Why'd you have to start interfering where your lot doesn't belong? The golden goose had one last egg to lay. Spindly limbs and flashing mandibles. Tony jolted awake abruptly. He'd fallen asleep at his workbench again. It is 5.33pm on December 2nd, Jarvis informed him, volume abnormally low. And you are in New York City. Tony nodded and took a deep breath, trying to expel the disjointed dream. He took stock of himself. He was fine, though a little sweaty, with a crick in his neck from slumping over at his desk. He really should try to make it the couch if he's gonna... Oh, right. Tony smiled. Good man, Jarvis. Steve was still sleeping on Tony's work couch, lips slightly parted. He'd been even more exhausted than Tony had realized. And really, the super soldier serum must be the only reason that Steve hadn't had the most massively hideous dark circles under his eyes. Terribly unfair, really. Steve's chest rose and fell deeply in a steady rhythm. He looked so young. A few more files had fallen from the couch as Steve shifted in his sleep. Silently, Tony pulled out the schematics he'd been working on earlier. Soon it'd be time to start making the skeletons for the new range of portal closure devices. But first, coffee. Tony frowned at the coffee maker and glanced over at Steve. Would it wake him up? Tony grabbed his coffee tin, unplugged the coffee maker, and carried it to the bathroom. No big deal. As the coffee brewed, perched awkwardly on the toilet tank with the door firmly shut, Tony took a few minutes to wash up. With a face cloth. He still didn't like a splash water on his face. Coffee in hand, Tony hastened to get back to work. What if the diffusion readings dropped by intervals of ten picometers? Tony wasn't sure how long he'd been working when he heard Steve beginning to stir. Steve's eyes fluttered open as gaze immediately fell on Tony. His lips curled up into a beautiful, sleepy smile, and he murmured, Tony? Tony's throat felt a little tight. Hey, he said, smiling back. Did you sleep okay? Steve blinked a few times. As he grew more alert, his smile faded and he sat up. He rubbed the back of his neck. Damn, how long was I out? Tony waved a hand dismissively. You needed the rest. Steve sighed and, after a few moments, nodded. Steve checked his phone and shook his head. Clinton and Tasha finished their survey of the perimeter of New Jersey. Nothing. They're back at S.H.I.E.L.D. now. Tony nodded. It's what we expected. Yeah, Steve agreed with a sigh. Steve looked down and touched the blanket. He gave Tony a questioning look. So hey, Tony said. I'm going to start building the devices soon, but first I'm going to need some food. I was thinking Thai. You want Thai? Steve gave a hesitant nod, and Tony rushed on. And then, if you want, we can keep working. I put your laptop over there so it wouldn't fall, but I left the files alone. And hey, if you don't mind giving me a hand with a few little things on the device, that would be great. Really? Steve's shocked but pleased face was kind of adorable. Yeah, I figure you got steadier hands than dummy, and I can't actually do everything myself. Yet. I'd be very pleased to help you. Steve told him seriously, with the air of a promise. But I don't really know anything about... 
He waved a hand vaguely at Tony's schematics. Well, duh, I'll tell you what you need to know. Don't worry. Tony took a sip of coffee. So, Thai food? Steve nodded. Can we get pad CU? Predictable. Yeah, and pumpkin curry, medium. Tom Kagai, and spring rolls. Double spring rolls, Jarvis. And mango with sticky rice. Thanks, Jay. Of course, sir. Steve was carefully folding up Tony's ratty workshop blanket and arranging it against the back of the couch. Thanks, Tony, Steve said, running a hand over the blanket. Tony turned back to Bruce's variations on hypothetical 72. I really appreciate it, Steve added softly, then asked in a worried tone. But did you get some rest too? Me? Yeah, yeah, sure, I slept. If the gamma waves increased on number 72, did you go to sleep? Mm-hmm. So suppose the gamma waves increased, but the diffusion decreased, then maybe... Oh yeah, Tony told Steve absently. There's coffee in the bathroom. Huh? Steve tilted his head quizzically. In the bathroom? Oh, right. Tony shrugged. I didn't want the machine to wake you up. Oh, Steve said, smiling at him again. Thanks. He grabbed his mug and headed for Tony's ensuite. As he returned, he let out a long sigh and groaned. God, I needed that. Steve was clutching at his cup of joe like a dragon with its hoard. Or like Tony with a cup of coffee. I thought caffeine had no effect on your super metabolism, Tony said, raising one eyebrow. Steve shrugged. Never underestimate the power of the placebo effect. Understood. Tony clinked his mug to Steve's. Coffee is sacred. I should never have questioned you, Captain. Tony gave a joking salute. At ease, soldier, Steve said with a smile. Okay, we'd better get back to work. Notes. Thanks so much for reading. Hope you liked it. Smiley face. This is Anship. There are feelings happening, and being aggressively avoided on at least one party side. But we knew that already. Slow burn is slow, but slow burn is so good.